Thank you so much for worshiping with us. My name is Doug Brown. I am the high school pastor here, and I'd like to personally say thank you for finishing the year with us here at Calvary Church. Give yourselves a round of applause that you made it to church this morning. That's a good way to end 2017. Hopefully that bodes well for 2018. I love the new year. I think it's such a peculiar part of our culture, and it's such a fun time for us to, it's weird that we kind of shed off the last year and we look towards the new year, you know? You may be thinking to yourself, last year, maybe uh, I gained too much weight, I was kind of a jerk, Um, I got fired from my job, you know, I stopped brushing my teeth, whatever it is, but that's last year, you know? Now that that's in the past, I look towards the glittering new year and all the hope that it brings. I'm finally gonna lose weight, get a job, start brushing my teeth or whatever it is, you know? And and it provides for us an opportunity to kind of get rid of the old and put on the new. And, And for me, I love the new year. Individually, I feel like it's a time for me to think about the ways in which I want to change, the ways in which I want to grow. And I think for us as a community, it's an exciting time for us. As we look into 2018 and as we want to change and we want to grow, we want to become more like Christ. We want our community to be marked by the things of Christ. And we think, let's put off the the bad, not that everything was bad, there's a lot of good, but let's put off the ways that we don't want to be anymore and become the things that we want to be into this new year. But the question comes up, how? How on earth are you supposed to do that? There's a story in the Bible that I think always represents a moment of being confused about the future, yet knowing that you want to do so much and change and grow, but wondering how on earth I'm supposed to get there. Have you ever heard of the story of the ascension? It's my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. The ascension of Christ. What that means is to go up, ascend up. Let's look at it together. If you open up your bulletin, there's an outline you can follow along with me. Also, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. In the story of Christ, Jesus has come down and taught people the way a new way. He has provided salvation for us through his death and his resurrection. He has brought us into a relationship with God. And he's done so many amazing things. And he has this small group of loyal followers who sit in the midst of a Jewish community which sits in the middle of a Roman empire. And there is a very small select group of people who have decided to be the followers of Jesus, the true way. And as Jesus has taught them these amazing things, he instructs them, now go out make disciples of the whole world, which is a really, I mean, a monumental task to do. Make disciples of the world. What should we teach them, Jesus? Well, that's easy. Teach them the things that I have taught you, all right? So teach them the things I've taught you. Don't worry, I will be with you through my spirit, but go out and make disciples of me. And it says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. As the disciples are standing there, they're charged, they're pumped up. They even ask him, Jesus, is it at this time that you're going to restore the whole kingdom to Israel? Is it time to bring the whole kingdom? And he says, no, no. What it's time for now is for you to spread the word of me. And they're like, all right, let's do this. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 9, you could read along behind me. It says this. 
after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now the disciples handle this more appropriately than I think I would. As they're, <laughs> as they're sitting there watching Jesus go up, I think to myself, what would I have done if I were a disciple watching Jesus, who has just told us to go out and change the world by the things in which he has taught us, and they're sitting there thinking, Jesus, let's do this. I'm so pumped up. I'm ready. And then all of a sudden, he's one foot off the ground. And you're like, all right, Jesus, this is really miraculous. You've done a lot of miraculous things so far. Why are you a foot off the ground? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And as he's three feet off the ground, and he's, uh, and go and teach these people, and then they're like, Jesus, can you just stop one second and explain where you're going? And now he's 10 feet off the ground. And they're like, Jesus, I'm really excited to go out and tell people about who you are, but why don't you just stay here with us? It'd be a lot easier for us to explain you if you were standing. And now he's 45 feet off the ground, and they're thinking, why is the one guy who knows what we should be doing floating off into the sky? I would be panicking. I would be reaching for Jesus. Jesus, come back. It would be a lot easier if you would stay. And I'm thinking to myself, why would this be? Why are you leaving us? It's like this. It's like you get to the Disneyland, right, as a child, the Disneyland. As you get to Disneyland as a child and your parents say, little Timmy or Sally or whatever your name is, here is a balloon. It's a special balloon. It's one of those clear ones with a Mickey Mouse inside of it, right? And they hand it to you and you think, I'm so happy. Everything in life is right now. And somehow, miraculously, the balloon unties at the top and it starts to float up across Main Street, and you're thinking, the child is screaming, why, God, why are you taking away the one thing that I want? I've been working my whole life to get to Disneyland, and you're taking the balloon away. It's like this. You've saved your entire life for retirement, right? And you get to the end of your working career, they shake your hand, and they're like, hey, great job working those I don't know, 90 years or something like that, go off and you thought, okay, I'm ready for retirement. I've saved a ton of money in my 401k. You get home and you're like, I'm ready to start living out my retirement. You head to the bank to start getting out a little bit of money for your retirement. They're like, hey, you know what? I don't know what happened. Uh, sir, there's like an accounting error. I don't know why this is where an accounting error would be, but there's an accounting error <laughs> on my watch. I don't know what happened. Your 401k, we lo just, we lost it. It's gone forever. You would lose your mind, be like, what? I've banked my whole life on that. What am I supposed to do? I've been working forever, and now you're telling me my one thing that I've been working for, my one hope, it's gone. It just floated up into the sky and disappeared. It's like buying a house in 2006 and realizing the entire housing market exploded, right? It's like being in a life raft and you're like, ah, oh, finally, we're in the middle of the ocean, but at least we have this giant yellow life raft and somebody leans back on it and pops it and it starts to deflate and you're like, what? This is our one hope, why? The point is this, there are times in our lives where we get to a point where we think we, we have finally made it, we're here, and it seems as if our one hope kind of falls away. We're going to look at how the disciples responded much better. But I think sometimes if I were in that position and I see Jesus lifting up out of the sky, I think to myself, where are you going? Do you realize the task you just gave us? You told us to go make disciples 
of everyone. And we sit in a hostile environment, in a Jewish community, in a Roman empire, and you've given us this task of doing an impossible job and you've left. How are we supposed to go? As the the disciples think to themselves, we have so much to do, so much change, so much growth, so much transformation that needs to happen in our community. How are we supposed to do it? I think about my life. I think about 2017, right? If we're on the edge of a new year. I think about 2017. I feel like there was good things that happened in 2017 for me, but there was difficult things that happened in 2017. And I think about, man, I want to change and I want to grow and I want to, I want to become a different person and I want to be more like Christ, but man, I can feel burnt out sometimes. Just to be perfectly honest, one amazing good thing that happened is our son Matthew finally became legally adopted for, with our family this year. And that was an amazing, yes, thank you. That was an amazing time for us. But at the same time, uh, my wife and I, we've, we're trying to adopt again. We've had two failed adoptions where we get to match with people and it ends up falling through. And it feels like, ah, oh, how are we supposed to go on? It's been a difficult year for a lot of us, even in the events that have happened in our societies and in our country. It's difficult for us to look forward and think, how am I supposed to grow? How am I supposed to change? God, I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm ready to do it. But man, I just feel burnt out. you look at your life and you look around, maybe it feels like you're walking on burnt ground. Maybe 2017 burned you down. When you look at your friendships, your relationships, your work, your education, all the things that you have to do, all the changes that are happening in your life and all the areas you want to grow, maybe you feel burnt out. And you look at your life and you want to grow. For me, when I look at a place like this, I'm not amazed that things can burn down. I'm more amazed that things grow in the first place and that even in the midst of being so burnt out like this, new life can come and things grow and things change. When I stood in Peter's Canyon, it's burnt, not all of it, but parts of it are just burnt to a crisp. The actual ground is burnt. I mean, you saw my feet, I'm walking and I'm cracking the ground that I walk on. It's burnt down. But like I said, it's not that things burn down that's amazing to me. The fact that something can be consumed by fire makes sense. It's the fact that things grow at all that's a miracle. It's the fact that in the midst of that fire, you could look around and see little green sprouts coming up again. It's the fact that that life is still in the ground. And when I think about how is it that a, a forest returns, how is it after a whole forest has been consumed by fire, how does it return? How does it miraculously become green again, miraculously become a forest again? It stays connected to what gives it life. If I were to pick up one of those dead branches, right, and walk over to a pot of plant and just stick it in the ground, I mean, nothing would happen. It would just sit there forever. That's how most of my plants end up being. But it, would, it wouldn't do anything. Because there's no life in that dead piece of wood. We need 
And the forest needs life. What happens when you drop a seed into dirt and you cover it up and you water it? Yes, you could tell a story about how mechanically the seed sprouts and grows roots and there's a process of taking in light and taking in water. But why does it happen? Why does it happen? It's because plants are the type of things that grow. They're the type of things that have life. And to stay connected to that life is what it means to grow for a plant. So how does a forest return? It stays connected to the life in which it has. If a tree has deep roots that still live, the life will come from those roots, from the soil, and it will regrow branches. It will regrow green leaves. And as the seeds fall in a fire, they are are regrown because life is in them. And I think about us going into 2018. I think about the disciples sitting there as Jesus has just left. They need to realize how they're going to grow and change in, in their futures. And it is staying connected to Jesus Christ. How we grow, the work that needs to happen for us to grow is for us to foster our connection to Jesus Christ. This isn't difficult. Jesus gave us this exact analogy in John 15, 5. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the exact same analogy as a fire and regrowing branches. If we are branches and we seek to change and grow in our lives in spiritual ways, what is it that we need to do? We need to stay connected to the source of our change and our growth. Stay connected to the thing which gives us life. If Jesus says, I am the life, I am the truth, I'm the way. In me you have connection to God, you have salvation. In your life, when you seek to change and grow. When you seek to be more than you are, you seek me because I am the source. Are you tracking with me? Yes? As the, as the forest regrows, it's its connection to the life in the plants that begins to re-flourish the, the forest. As we seek to change and grow, it's our connection to Jesus. How? It's our connection to Jesus, but how? You see, the disciples, when Jesus goes up, they didn't panic like you would think they would panic. I always expected to read this as a child and turn the next page and said, and they all totally panicked and they all ran away not knowing what to do and they all invested in foreign uh, governments and just got out of there as quick as possible because they realized they were wanted criminals, right? No, they went back to a house. They began to talk about the future. They began to expect what Jesus said he would do. What did Jesus say he would do? He said, I will send to you a helper. I will send to you the Spirit. And through the Spirit, you will continue to grow in me. Through the Spirit, you will continue to foster your connection. Through your faith in me and your faith alone, you will have a connection to me and the Spirit will grow you. And that happens in a moment. In Acts 2, if you want to look at it, go to Acts 2. Acts 2.1 says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing amongst themselves. And they rested on each one of them. 
And what happens after that is each of the disciples begin to be filled with the Spirit. They begin to preach. They begin to do miraculous things. They begin to have that connection to Jesus. The things which Jesus taught them, showed them, gave to them, they had. And they displayed those attributes amongst the community. And how did the community grow? How did that impossible task of making disciples of all nations, of going out to Jerusalem and to the rest of the world, how did it happen? It happened through Jesus manifesting himself throughout their communities. And I think about us. As we think about 2018, 2017, New Year's, I make a lot of New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you're like me and that you make New Year's resolutions, uh, but I make horrible New Year's resolutions. I do. Uh, one such example is this. Years ago, I decided I'm going to learn how to play the violin. Don't think about the fact that the violin is probably like the hardest instrument just to pick up and learn, but I thought I'm going to learn how to play the violin. I think I had seen someone on like TV playing a violin. I'm like, that looks cool. So uh, what did I do? I did what everyone does. I went to Amazon and I bought a violin for like $12, right? I think it was mostly plastic, but I bought an am an, a violin off Amazon. It came with a book that said, learn how to play the violin. That's all I said. Just learn how to play the violin. Maybe like 10 easy steps. I thought, yeah, perfect. A couple months with this and I'll be, you know, chirping out Vivaldi's Four Seasons. No problem. You know, they'll ask me to play at church. And so I got this violin. I tuned it. I put the resin on the bow and I, I sat down. Okay, page one. Uh, play this. And it, it just was miserable, right? He it sounded like a piece of, like a sheet metal falling into a fireworks factory or something like that. My sister across the hall is like, you stink, stop doing that. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. it lasted about an hour. And I thought, why did I want to play a violin? This is horrible. I can't do this. So I took it down to the Goodwill and I got rid of it. The next one is this. I thought to myself, you know what I want to do? I want to learn French. Why? I have no idea. But I want to learn French. I think that would be really cool. So I did what everyone does when they want to learn French and learn another language is I downloaded an app, right? Because what better way would be to learn French than just to download a French app on my iPhone? So I got it, and I was taking the thing seriously. I even turned on the notifications for the apps. I was like, I'm going to do this, right? Every day I'm going to get notified. You know, day one, la plume, or, or I don't know if that's even a French word. But the next one. Je m'appelle Doug, right? I was like, oh, I'm fluent. I got this, right? And then like week two, uh, turn off the notifications. Uh, I'll do it on my own time, all right? Just give me a break. And then we, you know, a month later, delete the app because I, why would I want to learn French? I don't know. I don't even know any French people. I don't go to France. I should learn Spanish as the language. Oh, it was ridiculous. But even worse than all of those is throughout my life, I will be honest, and this might be true of you too, but throughout my life, there has been times, and even at the new year, where I seek to have a spiritual endeavor. I seek, to be honest, to be a better Christian, but I do it without Christ. I seek to be a better Christian without Christ. I seek to read my Bible and understand God better. I seek to be a, a better person, yet I do it without the power of the Spirit and without the life-giving source of Jesus Christ. It is a holistic, like holy, mental, and personal desire with no spiritual background at all. And it's devastating to me. 
You may be the same way. I mean, you wake up in the morning and you think, all right, this year I'm going to turn this ship around. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to be a good Christian. You wake up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning or something like that. Have a cup of coffee. You're like, this is when Christians read the Bible. You know, it's like super early. You open up the Bible, crack it open to Exodus, and you're like, look, normal Christians, yeah, whatever. They read Exodus you know, the regular way. I'm going to read it backwards because that's what real Christians do, okay? It won't make any sense, but I'm connected here to God. And you read it, and a couple days goes by, and you become maybe more accustomed to what the Bible's about. Maybe you even realize, you know what? I need to act more Christian in a public sphere. That means I'm going to stand up and be angry about everything that I should be angry about appropriately to Christian beliefs, right? That means anyone who's not Christian, I'm just going to yell at them and be angry with them. And you you start to ask yourself, what am I actually becoming? You're just becoming someone who acts like what you think a Christian ought to be like, yet you've never consulted Christ. And that would be the worst thing for the disciples to have done. If the disciples would have sat there day one and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out and make a Christian world. And you know how we're going to do it? We don't need Christ. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need God. We're going to do it by ourselves. They wouldn't have made it past day 10. And on our own effort, we seek to have these spiritual awakenings without the source of our spiritual awakening. We need to completely revise our, our tactic. There's another passage, if you can, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. What is it that we need to do? Acts chapter 4 gives us, I think, a beautiful story of what it means to be connected to Christ, to be connected by the Holy Spirit to God. It's this. It's that the disciples saw and heard Jesus. What does it mean to see something and to hear something? Think about that. What does it mean to see something, to hear something? Well, to see something and to hear something is to experience something. You are seeing me. You are hopefully hearing me. Most of you are. I'm pretty sure my brother-in-law fell asleep. Oh, there he's back awake now. There we go. Just joking. Uh, no, if you see something and you hear something, you're experiencing it. You're experiencing me waving my arms around right now. You're seeing it. Hopefully you're hearing it, right? You're experiencing this moment. Well, the disciples saw and heard Jesus. And it's what they, they experienced of him that drove them to their life in Christ. And you may think, how are we supposed to hear and see Jesus? That might be difficult if Jesus were dead, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, and if he gave us no way to be affected by him. But he did. That's the whole point, is he did. As Christ left, he sent a way in which we can be in tune with him, that we actually can have a relationship with him. And as we see Jesus and we hear Jesus and we experience him, it begins to change our life. Look at this passage in Acts 4. In Acts 4, 18, it says this. And when they had summoned them, and it's talking about a, a council of people, they've summoned some of the disciples. Peter and John, exactly. They, they bring them in. Because as they, Peter and John, keep testifying to what they've seen and heard, their experiences of Christ, it irritates people. And it says this. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said this to them, 
whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop seeking about what? About what they had seen and heard. The point is this. They couldn't stop speaking about what they'd experienced. So my question for you is this. As you go into 2018, are you just going to have a connection to God that is superficial? And as you think about your life, maybe you want to be more Christian and you think to yourself, I got to do these things. Is it a superficial desire to do it? Or are you actually seeking to experience Jesus? Because we cannot change. We cannot experience growth. And as we go throughout the year, as things come to us and we want to grow as a community and we want to change as a community, we cannot do it unless we are connected to Jesus. But it cannot be a superficial connection. It has to be an experiential connection. And that connection looks like us seeing Jesus in each other, through the word of God, and through our community. Jesus has told us that he will be with us. Jesus has given us the spirit to be with us. Will you commit yourself to transformational prayer, not just prayer out of monotony? Will you commit yourself to read the Bible, to be transformed by it, not just because it's a duty that you have to do? When we begin to see in our community, and I truly mean this, when we begin to see in our community, what that means is you people over there see and these people over here, and you people here begin to see and those people over there, and we witness it and experience it in the lobby, and we see it in the streets. When we begin to see love replace hatred, when we begin to see justice kick out abuse, when we begin to see peace overtake hatred, and we see the things of Christ grow in us through our commitment and study to the Bible and through our commitment to worshiping God and as we are personally and individually transformed, we will begin to experience the things of Christ in our community and it will be the thing which drives us to change and grow. If you think of us like a forest, we need to be the type of forest that is connected to the source of life, which is Jesus. And if we do that, if we can commit to being connected to Christ, we will begin to see from, from the changes that we have, from the growth that we have, a forest of love, of peace, of truth, of justice begin to grow in us. When we look at our lives and we see all the ways in which we want to change, the new things that we want to do, the ways that God wants to grow us as a body of believers, it is through our connection to Jesus that God is allowing us to grow. It's the cause of our growing. Tomorrow, when we go into the new year and we think about all these amazing new things that are going to happen to us in 2018, and we think about all the ways in which we're going to grow, and even some of the ways we're going to struggle and change. It is our connection to Christ. It is God's provision in our lives that we are growing through him because he is the one who loves us. He is the one who has set us free. He is the one who took us from darkness and is bringing us into the light.
I'd love to have everybody, if you can, stand to your feet. My favorite part of that story in Acts about Peter and John is that it's not only <clears throat> that they can't stop talking, it's not that they just experienced Jesus, it's that they can't stop talking about him. It's that they can't stop testifying to what they've seen and heard. It's not just that they've experienced him, they can't stop testifying about it. So as we begin to experience Christ in our lives, may we testify about it. May we testify to one another. May we testify to our community, to the people on the streets, to the people in our schools, to the people in our jobs. May we testify to what Jesus has done in our lives and in our community. And let this moment now, as we sing this song about hope, let this moment be the first time Maybe for 2018, if we can jump the gun early and say, let this be what launches us into the next year and let this song be a testimony to the hope that is in us through Jesus Christ.